What is up, Redeemed Church? How are you? Hey, it's me, your friend Eddie Johnson here. And I just want to say before I do anything else, happy holiday, happy Thanksgiving weekend, wherever you're watching this from, if it's at home, if it's on the go, uh, I hope you've had an amazing holiday time, amazing Thanksgiving. Hopefully it was with friends and family and some loved ones and you got to celebrate together. But if it wasn't, if you were socially distant, if you did a modified Thanksgiving, if you were by yourself, we want to know that this is such a rough holiday season. We get it. This is an unexpected, unplanned thing. And to go through this holiday season in such a different and unique and weird way, it's not a lot of fun. Let's be honest with it. So if you have celebrated Thanksgiving in a modified condition or by yourself, man, please hear my heart when, we, when I say this. We as a Redeemed Church family, me, Eddie Johnson, I see you, I love you, I mourn with you, I weep with you, I'm sad with you. Um, this is not fun, but hear this and know this, you are loved and you are valued and we do not want, we do not want you to feel um, that you are abandoned or alone this holiday season. You may not be in close proximity, some friends and family, but we love you, God loves you and there's nothing he can do about it. Hey, on that note, we're doing a Redeem Church canned food drive, a Redeem Church food drive. Check out redeem.church for information on that because we want to really support. Now more than ever, right? What a year. This is the year we really need to support each other um, and to do some great things in our community for one another. So if you want to support someone who may have some need, do that. Go to redeem.church. Hey, we're in the middle of the series right now um, where uh, we are ending uh, our fast as a church. And, and Pastor Dave talked about fasting. We had Dr. Marty uh, sharing a little bit too. And when Dave, Marty, and I sat down and we talked about this series, I got really excited. And I'm going to tell you my topic here in a second. Uh, I got really excited because this was such a great idea for this time. And I thought it was amazing for this season, right? We talked about fasting. We talked about repenting. Marty talked about refreshing last week. Today, I'm talking about refocus. Yeah, you heard that refocus. And next week, I'm gonna give you a little snapshot, a little sneak peek. Uh, Dave is going to be talking about recovery, but I get to talk about refocus and the, the, the through line, the verse that's been our theme verse. It's been the, the, the silver line in our dialogues and our discussion has been Acts 3.19, okay? Acts 3.19. Let me read it for you. In the NIV, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Wow, this is awesome. This is great. Uh, that word in there, refreshing, right? That word in there, refreshing, literally is the type of refreshing or something that only the Lord can do. This is actually the only time it's found in scripture, right? Is this word here. It literally means a blessing from God, a blessing from the Lord. It literally means a breath of grace or a refreshing or a revival that comes from the Lord. And when I was reading that verse, I thought about what Marty said in his message last week is that this time of fasting is less about what we're not doing and more about being fully being fully in the presence of the Lord, being full with the Lord, being fully in the presence of the Lord. And man, that got me so excited. So I was thinking, what is a story about in the Bible? Who is a character in the Bible that uh, their life, their story, their context perfectly 
travels that road of coming to the Lord, repenting of their sins, their sins wiped out, them experiencing revival or refreshing or a blessing from the Lord, and then God moving on with them. And there's a lot of people we could probably come up with, but the name that like was seared into my mind was the Apostle Paul. Or I should say, we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul, or I should say we're going to talk about Saul of Tarsus today, okay? We're going to talk about Saul of Tarsus. And, and I found myself just locked in on his story. Long before he was the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament scriptures, our, the letters that he wrote from one church to another, from him to other churches, he was called Saul of Tarsus, a Jew, a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews, who persecuted believers. Okay, let me give you a little insight, a little insight here to my process, Okay. Before I usually dive into preparing a sermon, I usually take whatever idea I'm working on and I will try to make a devotional out of it for me personally. So I got my little journal here, my little thread journal here. And before I started putting together the nuts and bolts of the sermon, I took some time and just took a bunch of different stories and a bunch of different words from Paul's life. And I just started kind of devotionalizing it. And I just kind of just, and in my journal, how I do my thing in my journal is, is when I do my entry that day, I put a title on it. And the day when I first started working on it, matter of fact, I came up in my, my little, uh, in my journal, I date these, and I, it was a, a few weeks ago, it came up in my journal, and I was looking at it, and I was rereading the headline as I started preparing on this message, and my title of my journal entry for that day, when studying about Paul, or specifically Saul of Tarsus, I wrote this headline in my journal. Here's what I titled it. I said, Saul was right. What? What, what, I'm going to say that again, right? That might sound controversial, but Saul was right, quotation marks, okay? And here's what I mean by that. I, I told you a bit ago that this man, Saul of Tarsus, was a, a persecutor of the Christian church, and he was someone who was so devout in persecuting the church, and he's someone who had such a radical experience coming to Christ in the book of Acts, in this historical book, t uh, talking about the history of the early church, Three different times in Acts, okay? Saul's conversion. Saul's, uh, when the Lord paused, hit the pause button and draw him near to himself. When the Lord Jesus Christ himself called Paul out, right? It's, it, the, the, the story, the account of Paul's conversion is recorded three times in the book of Acts. Acts 9, Acts 22, and Acts 26. And I found something, okay? Here's what happened. Every single time when Paul shares his story, he starts by letting you know the position that he was in. Matter of fact, before we get to the story of Paul and his conversion, the first time you see him is Acts chapter 7, verse 58. It's when the disciple Stephen is being stoned, okay? And you see in verse 58, it says, Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a man named Saul. So literally, there's a man being murdered. There's a man being killed. There's a man being martyred, assassinated. The disciple Stephen, a great man of God. And you see Paul, or Saul, I should say. Sorry if I go back and forth. I'm just so used to calling him Paul. But today we're mostly talking about Saul of Tarsus before his conversion experience. Okay? Saul sat there approving of the death of this man who was a follower of Jesus Christ. Hit the pause button, and the next time you see him is about one chapter later in Acts 9, verse 1. 
Okay, here's what it says. You now got to catch this. We haven't seen Saul at all. And the very next time you see him, here's what the word says. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He's still in that position. He's still locked in and focused on what he feels like he's supposed to do. He it goes on to say he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that uh, he may f- that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, the believers, whether male or wom- man or woman, that he might take them prisoner in Jerusalem. Flash forward to Acts 22, the second time when Paul is now testifying to a crowd who's trying to kill him. Now, Saul of Tarsus is Paul the apostle. And now the roles are reversed where he's got people trying to kill him. He shares his story. I was just as zealous for God as many of you are today. I persecuted the followers of the way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and the council themselves can testify. Wow, that was Acts 22, three through five, okay? We see this, Saul of Tarsus, the man who killed Christians. Acts 26, now giving a defense, giving his legal defense to, to, to the government, okay? Once to the mob, now to the government officials. He says this, Acts 26, nine, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that, uh, and that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the, on the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. Okay? Here's what I want you to understand. Before we move forward, we've got to understand that Saul of Tarsus, okay, this man who was a devout Jew, <clears throat> this man who was a devout Hebrew, this man who was a Pharisee, okay, was fully convinced and fully zealous to persecute Christians. And he was actually justified in feeling the way he felt. You see, you gotta understand something. There was a pattern that was established since the Old Testament, okay? That any time someone came up against the God of Israel, any time um, the Jews were making a mockery of who God was, and any time that Jews were not living up to this mighty and high calling and this pure calling as being God's chosen people, Jews, the, the understanding was that you can be put to death for not living up to the standard. Matter of fact, specifically, we see this in Numbers 25. The Israelite men start marrying Moabite women and they intermarry and they start worshiping their gods. And it gets to the point that in Numbers 25 verses one through five, the Lord speaks to Moses and the Lord says, yo, all those dudes that are doing what they're doing, bring them out in public and kill them. The Lord said that to Moses because they're disobeying the plan that I have. They're going against the plan that I have. So now, when I say, quote unquote, Saul was right, here's what I mean. Here's a man who's a devout Jew, who believes in his one true God of Israel, who understands the scriptures better than you and I probably ever will, who now sees all these people moving from this faith called Judaism, this faith of Israel, this one true God to this new 
Christ figure, he's angry. He's, 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 he's enraged. The, he calls himself zealous. Literally, when he uses that word zealous, that zeal, it's not just passion. It's literally that burning, fiery passion for the Lord. That passion for the Lord that says, me and my house, will you serve the Lord? That says, anything that makes my God look impure or lesser than or worse, I'm going to come up against it. His heart and his desire was to say, you're not representing my God, and I'm going to do something about it. So hear the mindset, hear the attitude, hear the thought process of this man, Saul of Tarsus. It's one that in his mind and his heart, he believes what he's doing is right and what he is doing is righteous. And it took a revelation from Jesus himself to not just save his soul, but to change his mind, right? This revelation, we, we see the story for the first time in Acts chapter nine, right? Matter of fact, let me dive into it. Let me read it. Acts nine, verse three, as I neared Damascus on, as he neared Damascus, this is Luke, the writer of Luke and Acts, right? He's recording the story of Paul. He says this, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. There was an interruption of not just Paul's process, not just his action, but an interruption of the way he thought, the way he viewed things, the way he perceived life, the way he understood things to be. The Lord had to hit the pause button and had to say, yo, hold up, stop, wait a minute. There's, you're doing this all wrong. Can I tell you something, church? As we are in the, finishing up now our fast, as we go into Thanksgiving, so much of the last few weeks, Maybe things came up inside of you. Maybe the Lord was like, you thought you were going the right way. You thought you were doing the right thing. But I want to hit the pause button and I want to flip it and reverse it. Shout out to my Missy Elliott fans out there, right? I want to hit the pause button on what you think, the pause button on how you live. And I want to change, right? That was repenting, right? It's changing the way you think. And then Marty talking about refreshing when you change the way you think, the Lord will refresh you and bring life into you. Wow. The Apostle Paul, first Saul of Tarsus, then becomes a full-fledged believer, part of the cool kids club, right? He draws near to the Lord, and he's now Paul the Apostle, and he has a complete change of his entire life, his entire thought process. Everything he thought to be true has now been turned upside down. As I was reading through, Paul's conversion, read it in every one of the accounts and acts, read some of the backstory, read some of the after, aftermath of each account. I had three things that stood out to me that I noticed. Three things that stood out to me, and there's probably tons of other things. I say that almost every time I share with you guys, is, is I'm just giving you my observations, my snapshot from some time of study, some, t t some time of prayer and sitting with the Lord. Uh, and, and I had three observations that really stood out to me as we talk about Saul hitting God, hitting the pause button, Saul turning and repenting, even though he was right and he was justified in what he did, Jesus saying, hey, I got a better way. I got something more for you. I have something more excellent for you. And as us today, church, that we can learn and we can grow, that we can identify with as redeemed church, three observations. Here's observation number one. 
Observation number one is this. When Saul of Tarsus, later the Apostle Paul, had an encounter with Jesus, the first thing he did was yield to the lordship of Jesus. All right, let me read that account I just read a little bit ago. Verse 3 in Acts 9. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Paul says. The voice says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go, and I will tell you what to do. Did you catch that? Immediately, as Paul is thinking he's right, living in a way he's right, when he is met with the power and the presence of God, immediately he realizes, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not in charge anymore. Immediately he realizes what the pecking order is here. He realizes, I am not in control. The way I have understood the world to be is not the way the world is, and I need to subject myself to the true power and authority in the room. Can I tell you something, Redeemed Church? As we are doing this fast, as we have done this fast, as we move out of 2020 into 2021, in any and every season of our life, the first thing you should do when you are met with an experiential time, a powerful time, a mighty time when the Lord steps into your world, the first thing you need to do is be like, uh-oh, oh, my bad, I am okay, hold up, oh, wait, <gasps> uh, right? You've got to yield and subject yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I, I, I'm one of the biggest advocates of saying things like, Jesus is my friend, Jesus is my brother, Jesus is the best friend, he'll never leave you, forsake you, but he's also the Lord. He's also Lord, capital L-O-R-D. And the first thing Paul realized that as he was walking down this road, he realized that what he thought life to be no longer is because the new and the real authority had stepped in and was now Rechange, it was now changing the game. Wow. Changing the game. Paul had his moment here where he was like, my bad. It's all wrong. Everything I thought was wrong. I need to subject myself to the fact that this person, this, this God of heaven, this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one I was persecuting, the one who I thought was making my God look bad, was really my God made flesh who was going to save my entire soul. Wow. Paul had a complete change. In one moment, the light flashed. He went blind and he realized he was no longer in charge. The way he thought wasn't the way he was supposed to think anymore. So church, as we are refocusing, as we are in the process of repentance, refreshing, refocusing, the first thing we need to do is make sure we yield to the power of Jesus, yield to the presence and the lordship of Jesus Christ. The second observation I have is a lot of times, oftentimes, when we begin to change the way we think, when we begin to refocus, when we get a refreshing from the Lord, oftentimes new focus will mean a new community. Here's Paul, who was so proud of his identity, and I'm proud of being a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Now, this man, Paul, this man, Saul of Tarsus, I keep saying Paul, but Saul of Tarsus, before he had his name and his identity changed, now, the Lord was telling him, I've got another plan for you. And here's what happens. Check this out. In verse 10, the Lord says, in Damascus, there is a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, the Lord answered. Even Ananias is, is being subjected. He's yielding to the power of the Lord, right? And the Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas 
on Straight Street and asked for a man from Tarsus named Saul who was praying. In a vision, he has seen a man, you, he's seen you, come and place hands on him and restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all that harm he has done to our holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But then the Lord said to Ananias, go to this man. I have chosen him as my instrument to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles and their kings and their people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road where you were coming, has sent me. Wow. Wow. Here's the beautiful part. Paul, this man, who was internationally known, okay? He was on America's Most Wanted in the Christian world, right? Everybody knew this dude. You see this dude coming, you go the other direction. And the Lord said, yo, I'm going to pluck you out of the way you thought. I'm going to pluck you out of the old lifestyle you live. And I'm going to align you with a new, a new tribe, a new community. Can I tell you something, church? I, I think it's beautiful that we were never called to do this Jesus thing solo. We were never called to socially distance in the faith. We were called to link arms, to be interdependent, and to love and support and to believe and to encourage one another. So I love it when Ananias comes to Saul and he lays hands on him and he says, Brother Saul, welcome. Come be a part of this new community. Come be a part of what the Lord has for you now. I've also found in my life that when not only do I have established if maybe I have to move from one community, one friend group to another friend group as the Lord draws close to me, but it opens up whole new avenues of friend groups. It, it, it unites me with people in ways I never would have thought I'd be united with. And it's such a beautiful, awesome time to be connected with other brothers and sisters in the faith, other believers who want to link arms and bless and encourage each other. My third observation I see here, you guys, is this, is that Paul... Saul of Tarsus, before he was Paul, right? Saul of Tarsus prioritized time with Jesus above everything else. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was intimate with the Lord. The same Lord who met him on the road, he said, I'm going to spend time. I'm going to get to know my Lord. I'm going to get to know what's so special and amazing and different about him versus everything I've ever knew and understood. Verse 19, here's what it says in Acts chapter 9. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Once he began to preach in synagogues that Jesus was the Son of God, all those who heard him were astonished. Isn't this the same guy who was trying to kill us a little bit ago, they asked? Hasn't he come here to take prisoners to the chief priests? Verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus was Messiah. Saul grew more and more powerful, not in his, his, his energy, not in his vocabulary. He grew more and more powerful because he spent time with the Lord. He just said, hey, I'm going to lock in on who Jesus is. I'm going to rest in that. Matter of fact, if you flash forward, if we parachute in to Galatians chapter 1, Okay, Paul is now writing this letter to the church and he's telling them once again his story of how he was converted. And in Galatians chapter one, verse 13 and 17, it says this, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. 
I was advanced in Judaism beyond many of my own age. But when God, who sent me apart from my mother's womb, called me by the great, by his grace, and he revealed his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia and then later <clears throat> returned to Damascus. So after Paul had this encounter with Jesus, spent some time in Damascus, Ananias, he went away and he decided, I'm going to go to Jesus University, right? I'm going to lock in, spend time with the Lord, let him reveal to me, let him show to me the way he wants me to live, how he wants me, who he wants me to be, how he wants me to operate. And then I'm going to step out with that faith, with that grace, with that power, with that refreshing, and I'm going to live, and I'm going to speak, and I'm going to preach, and I'm going to do what I was always called to do. Church, can I tell you something? Uh, one of the greatest quotes, one of the greatest lines of encouragement, I'm a quote guy, I like one-liners, right? One of the greatest quotes, one of the greatest lines of encouragement uh, one of my mentors ever gave me, he told me, Eddie, the most public thing you will ever do are your private devotions. That intimate time with the Lord, just you and him, one-on-one, -on -one, spending time with Jesus Christ, spending time with the Holy Spirit of God, spending time with God himself, and just allowing that refreshing to wash over you. That private time will be the most public thing because that's what people will see in you. That's what Saul of Tarsus did. He said, I am just going to go to Jesus University. I'm going to lock all the doors. I'm going to get in my prayer closet, and I'm just going to hunker down and just focus on who the Lord is and what he wants for me. Three observations. One more time, I'm going to give them to you again. Number one, right? Saul yielded to the lordship of Jesus Christ. He realized, I'm not in charge. Number two, he, he embraced, he became a part of this new community, this new family, this new body. And number three, Number three, he spent some time with the Lord himself, connecting with him. Church, I think if we make that our plan, moving forward, whether we're fasting or not, whether you're hearing the sermon series or not, man, God will do some amazing things in your life. Let me wrap it up with one final story. And I was thinking for my personal life, how have I seen this play out? And if I'm being honest with you, church, this fast season has been hard for me. Not because it's hard not to eat. I mean, not hard, but I found myself so many times just doing it out of my own strength, right? Just doing it not to do it rather than to pursue God. And, and, I, and I remember listening to Marty's message last week, and I was so convicted I was preparing my message. It's like, Lord, forgive me, because I've rather than draw close to you, I've just not done something, and, and, and that's not how I want to live. But I was, and I was praying. The Lord took me back to a time about two years ago. Many of you guys know uh, that my wife Kendra and I have our first child, we're expecting our first child, and that we've really struggled for the last five years with some infertility. Well, back in May of 2018, we decided that we were going to go away. <clears throat> we're going to go away and we're going to have a weekend where all we do is spend time with each other and spend time with the Lord. And after that time of, of going away, just being together, praying and celebrating and crying and laughing, we came back with a, 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 a few pages, a few words that we felt like the Lord, of things the Lord was impressing on our hearts. And I remember I took those words, I wrote them down, and I shared those words with a few different people. And I said, man, would you pray for me? Would you encourage me? Would you believe with me that God is going to do these amazing things in my life? And I remember walking away from that, feeling this, this new refreshing, really, right? 
this new inspiration, this new courage, this new level of faith that overwhelmed me and overcame me because I spent time just with the Lord, listening not to what my plan was and not to what my agenda was, not to what my idea was, but listening to the Lord. What do you have for me? How can I yield to what you want? How can I make sure I have the right people around me? And how can I walk out what you've called me to do? Church, I wanna encourage you, in this season, don't let COVID slow you down. Don't let your lack, don't let your failures, don't let your weaknesses slow you down. Connect with the Lord in a real and authentic way. Allow him to speak to you and then walk out what he has for you. Man, I would love it. Can you imagine a church if that's all, if all of us are doing that? Can you imagine what it would be like? Let me pray for us and we can get out of here. Father, just extend my hand right now to my Redeemed Church family. God, be with them wherever they're at in this season. Father, this is a rough season, but you're a God that you can handle a little rough terrain. You want to draw us near to you in a real and authentic way. God, you want to encourage us, you want to bless us, but also, Lord, you want to refine us and make us better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we were today. Lord, I pray that we would draw near to you and in drawing near to you, you would make everything that you have for us crystal clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Redeem Church, I love you. Have a great day. God bless.